1: All right, guys, welcome to what you guys have all been waiting for: the Cincy Jungle Podcast Draft Roundtable. It's going down. We have my man Anthony Casenza. We have my guy Matt Minich. We've got my guy John Sheeran. Zim is always gonna make a grand entrance as usual. <laughs> so we'll be awaiting for him to arrive. But so far, we've got the borough party ready. Uh, guys, go ahead and let people know um who you are which they should know you guys but if they don't and if you're new here be sure to follow these guys and also let them know where they can find you guys' stuff at who wants anthony, to go yeah we can start with anthony okay
0: all right i guess i'm top right get the old guy out of the way uh anthony kazenza i have been a managing editor at Cincy jungle for a little while i'm one of the hosts at uh, the orange and black insider the two guys Underneath me here, Brady Bunch style, are, are the other guys that are on that channel as well. I'm on Twitter at CJAnthonyCUI. You can get uh, the podcast stuff at BanglesOBI and at CincyJungle.com all on Twitter. Um, yeah, I've been doing that for a little bit. And this is, I've been looking forward to this, not only because of what's coming up this week, but just getting some FaceTime with you guys. We, we kind of talk here and there, but it's good to get some FaceTime with you guys, so to speak
1: yeah definitely john go ahead and introduce yourself sir
2: yeah uh my name is john sheeran i'm not a cousin of ed but you know it would be nice if that was true uh i'm the main the assistant editor at cincy jungle i look over matt's posts. i look over anthony's posts, even though i don't edit them at all because they're just perfect the way that they are and it makes my job a lot more easier you can find me on Twitter at John double underscore Sheeran. But honestly, I have too many followers. So go ahead and follow Anthony and go ahead and follow Matt when he gives
3: his Twitter handle too. yeah that.
1: What <laughs> flexing big flexing.
3: I Matt don't want any people. more followers. To be honest with you. I'm, I'm Matt Minnick uh, at Coach Minnick, all one word on Twitter. Uh, don't don't miss the H in there and Minnick. Uh, yeah, you can find my stuff on Cincy Jungle. I've been doing a lot of uh, a lot of video work. Uh, on the youtube channel uh and, and you can also find the my uh, chalk talk breakdowns on there and my my chalk talk uh, interviews and in, on the uh, podcast uh, downloads as well
1: yeah. So had to get these guys together. Um, these guys do amazing work. Like they said, be sure to check out all of their stuff. But we're here to talk about the draft. It's a special time. And obviously, Joe Burrow is expected to be the consensus number one pick. So Anthony, what's something uh, that you think that he brings to the Cincinnati Bengals?
0: Something that is that has been sorely needed for a long time, and that is two things. swagger. And the clutch gene, he brings the clutch gene. There are a lot of things that I can say about this kid. There are some things that people can say in terms of shortcomings with the arm strength and whatnot. The thing is the kid wins and he shows up big in huge games. For too long, the Cincinnati Bengals have been playing poor football in the biggest moments, whether it's on Monday night football against the Pittsburgh Steelers, whether it's in the playoffs against the Mark Sanchez-led Jets, Whatever the case may be, this team just crumbles in primetime games. If you go back, even though it's one season, if you go back to Joe Burrow's season last year and that epic stretch really towards the last half of the season and in the college football playoffs, he brought the clutch gene, and that is what this team needs.
1: Yeah. Uh, John, what do you think that Joe Burrow brings to Cincinnati?
0: A chance like
2: there's only really two ways to do this in the NFL now and it's either surround your team with the level of 49ers talent and hope your quarterback does enough or just put it all put most of it on your quarterback and you don't have a chance to beat the Chiefs or any other legit contenders without a quarterback that gives you a chance every single Sunday. Joe Burrow's exactly that. He's not perfect. He's not going to have these Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes like throws. He's not going to outrace Lamar Jackson in a foot race, but I think in terms of what you want out of, a, out of a quarterback prospect, he has all the intangibles that you want. And I, I think physically he's he's gifted enough to, to do all the things that you want him to do. So, like, again, like since Cincinnati needs a quarterback like that where they don't have to put it out on a perfect team because they'll never be able to do that. Or it, it's just the once in a 30 year type of situation. So when you have Burrow for the next 10 years, you're always going to have a chance to be a legit contender. It's just a matter of putting it all together.
1: Right. I have to agree with that. Now, we're going to also get Matt's comments on this because, Matt, I know that you've broken down tons of Joe Burrow films. So who better to explain what Joe Burrow will be bringing to Cincinnati other than the great Matt Minich?
3: I mean, I, I would put it very similar to, to how Anthony did, but I'll, I'll actually make it a little simpler. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to give you two letters. F-U. All right. That's what Joe Burrow's got. He's got the F-U to him. Uh, he does not care what the situation is. He doesn't care if you think he can't. You know, you can't win football games in Cincinnati. He's not going to care when they get to the point where they're traveling to Pittsburgh next year. And and you know, some of the some of the vets that are in that locker room might be like, "Yeah, man, we can't we can't do it in Pittsburgh." He's not going to care. Uh, and and you know, that comes in. That's that clutch gene. That's that swagger. Uh, he's got that. You know that intangible little, little fu quality uh that really makes guys a, a winner uh and, and that that's that's contagious especially when it's the quarterback that's got right. it i think you you look at uh i mean all these guys have it. i mean even like tom brady's kind of goofy and you don't think he has it but he's he's got it you know all all the great quarterbacks have that where they don't care about the situation they they believe they're going to win no matter what they're going into um, and and that's what really stands out about him. You know, he he's got that. It's it, it's not just a cockiness. It's not that he's overconfident. It's that he knows that he can make it happen uh, in big moments and and even in places in situations where people don't think he can.
1: Yeah, appreciate that. Uh, Just so you guys know, you are listening to the official crew for the Cincy Jungle podcast. Uh, Anthony Casenza and John Sharon make up the OBI, that's the Orange and Black Insider. Be sure to subscribe to the Cincy Jungle podcast and get their great stuff. Matt Minich has his Chalk Talk where he's talking about film breakdown, also has guests such as Greg Kozel that come on as well. So definitely be sure to subscribe on any platform that you're on, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, uh, wherever you listen to your podcast for sure so it looks like we actually have um some other questions but we do have some activity in the chat i don't want to leave you guys out everyone's asking where zim is at we are awaiting zim's grand entrance hopefully we will get one tonight um someone is asking about thoughts about carson palmer backpedaling his words uh for me i think it's it's essentially due to some of the free agency action that's kind of happened out there. Uh, We've seen the Bengals do things that they have not done in the past. And I think Carson is kind of taking it back because essentially he expected the Bengals to act like how they did in the past. So Josh, that would be my thoughts on that one. Uh, But moving into the second question, name your three favorite prospects from this draft that are great fits for the Bengals and switching things up. Let's go with Matt first.
3: All right, so I'm, I'm focusing on who's going to be a really good fit. Uh, and all my guys are on defense. You know, go, go figure the uh, you know the old defensive coach going that way. But their first one, a guy who was supposed to be a first-round pick, tested poorly, and now they're saying could be around at 33, is A.J. Epinesa from Iowa. Um, you know, he's a, he's a big dude. He doesn't – you know, he, he didn't have that speed, but that's not really how he won on film. He's You know, he's flexible. He, he's got the hips. Uh, to, to rush the edge to bend around the edge but he he wins a lot with power moves in the pass rush which would be a nice little change up to have on the edge i think in the three four odd front stuff that you see the bengals do he can be that five technique kind of kick inside there uh, you know get get Tupo off the, off the field sometimes but i also think he can stand up on the edge um, and, and i've actually been going down and, and this will once we get done with all the draft content in a couple of weeks here um, i've been breaking down the defense in every game last year. And uh, Andrew Brown was was playing stand-up end uh, in, in these 3-4 situations. That's a that's a guy that's like 290 pounds. So, you know, I think Ebenezer might be a guy that might be a good fit for that. we got to remember that, like, the 3-4 stuff that they're running, it w- it's really a 5-2, right? They have five teams alignment on the field. They're running that stuff a lot uh, to, to stop the run. So having another bigger body like that that you could put in – You know, in place of Carl Lawson, maybe do something else with Hubbard in those situations, do something else with Dunlap. Um, I think he could be a really good fit. Um, uh, James Ucci from Michigan, another edge, but a very different edge. Uh, I think he does a lot of the things that Sam Hubbard does well, uh, but he's better in coverage. So, again, a nice little moving piece, extra guy that can come in there. Has some pass rush skills, uh, but but will be very good when they look to, uh, to drop him off. Uh, you know, and he's a guy. Maybe he's there in the third round. You know, he could go in the second, round, but it could be a, a good option in the third round. Uh, and then I'll go to day three with my last one, and that's uh, Kalik Hudson, the uh, safety slash linebacker from Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he's a he's a true tweener at that spot. And the way this team used Sean Williams, the way I expect them to use Von Bell next year he fits really well into that, that he's got some speed. He can play in, in the deep field coverage if you need him to a little bit, uh, but he can play in the box like a linebacker. He can match up and in, in, in coverage with uh, with tight ends. Uh, and he has been like an edge player for them at times, lined up on the edge of the line, line of scrimmage and, and holding the edge uh, on the outside run plays. So I think those guys all have a – you know, different type of skill set that could work really well in what the Bengals are doing defensively.
1: John, who are your three prospects that the Bengals would be great fits with?
2: So, we, since we have no idea who's going to be available on round two, I'm just going to stick with guys who I would expect to be there at 33, and I'll just go with the three biggest needs on this team. Starting at wide receiver, my, my guy there is Denzel Mims. He's been my guy since probably the end of the Senior Bowl. You know, talk about great production at a young age. Talk about you know better than expected route running coming out of that system, and he showed that at the Senior Bowl. A- everything that the Bengals want at the receiver that they could possibly want for a guy to add a vertical dimension to the field when A.J. Green, John Ross are not on the field, and a guy that you want as the ideal groomed replacement three to four years down the line for a guy like A.J. Green, I think he's perfect for that role. You don't need him to contribute immediately because of the depth you have there, but just as a guy that they can develop and, you know, use sparingly in, in his first year as the guy to build with Joe Burrow. I think he's perfect there at offensive tackle, Josh Jones, which is, um, which is the guy that Anthony profiled for us a week ago on on our show. I, I think the value fits perfectly there for a guy who could play multiple positions on the offensive line. There were concerns about, you know, maybe he didn't face the greatest competition at Houston, showed out the senior bowl as well, just showed exemplary power, great hands, great pass sets. Um, Ideal guy to have a depth at the left tackle in case Jonah Williams suffers a little bit more injuries. So just to compete immediately at either right guard or right tackle, he played both those positions at the Senior Bowl, played at a high level as well. A guy that the Bengals saw he consistently, you know, s- stop defensive linemen that the Bengals were coaching down there. So definitely made a positive impression on him. I think he's definitely in play at 33. And then at linebacker, I think Jordan Brooks is the guy to watch. Is like a perfect 34 inside linebacker to fit next to Jermaine Pratt for the long term. One of the best, maybe the best run defending linebacker in this class. He's very, he's a little bit limited in coverage because, just because of what he was asked to do at Texas Tech, but for four, four speed at 240 pounds, an explosive tackler, a guy who can fly all around the field, brings a lot of stuff that the Bengals don't have the linebacker position. So he might not be as, a, as you know, adapting coverage as a guy like a King Davis Gaither or maybe a Willie Gay Jr. But I think just from a run defense point and just an explosion point, He's exactly what they need, and I think if they were to take him, they would have to take him at 33 now. I don't think he makes it around
1: three. Anthony, who are your three fits for the Bengals?
0: Well, first of all, I I really like all the names that that, that the two other gentlemen mentioned there. Uh, You know, I have three guys. One is not really realistic in terms of where the Bengals could get this player, but I think fit-wise, especially at one of, if not the biggest area of need, if a failed drug test by Makai Becton causes him to fall, which I don't think it does, but if for some reason it does and he's sitting there middle first round, you know, late first round, and the Bengals have the capital to to jump back in and get a kid like that, he's massive, he's strong, and he is nasty. That has Jim Turner written all over him, and that has starting right tackle ability written all over this this team. Not realistic probably not making it out of the top 10 top 15 out of this draft but in terms of a fit and a guy that what I would just be absolutely amazed if the Bengals got would be Mikai Becton now in terms of actual more realistic possibilities and guys that I really like I'm all over Michael Pittman Jr and credit to Matt Minnick who interviewed Greg Cosell and Greg Cosell who is a pretty smart football mind really likes Michael Pittman. And I think a lot of people early in the process had Michael Pittman as a day three guy, maybe a round five, round six guy. He's got the size and the measurables. He probably wouldn't run well. All of a sudden he runs around a four or five in the, at the combine. He tests pretty well to go with his six foot four, 220 plus pound frame. He high points the ball well. He's not a one trick pony in terms of go deep or screen passes. He can do more than that. He was in kind of a spreadish, pro stylish offense at USC. I love the kid. Uh, I, if the Bengals can get him at 65, I would love that. I don't think that he will be there at that point because he just keeps rising. Um, and I think at 65, that would obviously be predicated on the fact that they don't go wide receiver in the second round. So Beckton and Pittman are a couple of guys I like. And another guy I looked at. And again, credit to to Matt for bringing him to my attention a little bit. Antonio Gibson, and that's this is my thing with the Bengals this year. I'm going. I guess I went all offense there, but I read a mock draft profiling the the team. I, I can't remember who the author was, but it was talking about you know the reason why the Bengals need to get Joe Burrow is because they have been stale on offense over the past couple of years, and that's really been kind of the impetus of the four year streak of losing season since that wild card implosion a few years back. So my thing is get guys that you make fits for. And Antonio Gibson is a playmaker. He's got limited snaps and and there's risk involved there. Maybe round four, round five, if he's floating out there, but he's a guy you can line up in the backfield. You can line him up in the slot. He's split out wide at Memphis and he makes touchdowns. I think he had 14 career touchdowns on 77 total touches. And that's not including another one or two on special teams as a return guy, so that is a guy I think day three. If he's floating around there, and you've taken care of wide receiver, offensive line, and you've got your quarterback, maybe linebackers in there as well. But have a little fun, get it, get a piece that causes matchup nightmares on offense. Give Joe Burrow as much help as possible. That's those are three guys that I think would uh, would be fun for the Bengals to look at, realistic or not.
1: <laughs> right, and guys, this is why we brought these guys on here because. Clearly, they have plenty of knowledge dropping gems out here for us. So moving on to my third question, we've heard a lot about the Bengals should trade with the Dolphins. We all probably likely would not want to take that pick, but obviously this could come up in the draft. And we're not just talking about the first pick, but just in general, if there were a pick that the Bengals could trade for possibly a player or more picks uh, down the road, which pick should they trade and why? And I'll start with Matt on this one.
3: Yeah, well, a lot of people have been really locked in on let's trade the 33rd pick uh, from the (laughs) beginning. Personally, I'm open to it, but, you know, that's not what I want. What I want is for there to be a guy sitting there at the 33rd pick who you've got a top 20 grade on. So I don't want to trade that pick. But if there's not the value there, if you if you've got you know, five or six guys who grade about the same and and it's not that high of a grade on, then I'm fine with getting out of there. Uh, The pick that I would look to trade would actually be in the third round, because I don't think you're going to have as massive as a talent drop off, uh, you know, between pick 65 and 75 as you could between pick 33 and 43. And for that, I mean, really trading down about 10 spots in the second round, you're probably picking up late third round like a third round compensatory you know type of pick unless somebody's you know hungry and and overpaying for it uh and trading down to the third round about 10 spots you're picking up like a like a mid fourth round so you know like it's it's 30 spots lower but it's like still you're kind of in that in that middle range so Compared to what you're potentially giving up with that pick, I think that's a better uh, pick to be to be trading. Uh, if you want to pick up another another pick in that area, and I think that's a great area. I think there's still going to be plenty of linebackers. I think still it's going to be plenty of wide receivers uh, in that area, and probably you know probably some interior alignment at least in that area as well. So that could be a real good one. Uh, but hey, there you know there, don't get me wrong, I. I love Dalton, been a supporter for you year, for years. Uh, probably not gonna happen unless they're secretly working out the uh, the contract uh, between Dalton's agent and, and the Patriots right now. but the best thing they could do is is uh, is move Dalton for uh, a third or a fourth round pick uh, before this thing ends.
1: Anthony, what are your thoughts on any picks that they should move back or players that they should trade for with the picks they have?
0: I'll I'll try and be, I usually I'm pretty wordy, but I'll try and be short because it's hard to disagree with anything Matt just said there. Really for me, I don't want the Bengals to trade out of the second round. You saw what happened to them last year when they sat atop the second round, they moved back and all of a sudden you thought they'd get a Cody Ford, a Dalton Reisner, all these guys that could help them immediately. What happens? They move back, pick after pick after pick, the dominoes fall right to where in front of where they moved back and then they're stuck kind of taking a Drew Sample. I hope Drew Sample works out. Doesn't look good at this point, but maybe he's a, a versatile guy they could use year two. For me, you're gonna get a first round talent at 33. Stay there. That's You're gonna get an immediate impact guy at 33. Stay there. My thing is if you take care of, and, and you get a valuable guy at 33, you're sitting at 65 maybe there's a run on wide receivers a lot of the guys that are off, are off the board and you haven't grabbed one yet and you say well we're not overly enamored with a lot of people here let's move back from 65 get another fourth round pick, get another fifth round pick. That way you can load up on linebackers. Maybe you can get an Antonio Gibson with an extra fourth round pick and don't feel like you're reaching and you can kind of kill two birds with one stone. So that's, that's uh, just to kind of echo Matt's sentiments. That's, that's where I'm at with, with trading picks. I do want to see them get another pick or two, but I do not want to see them get rid of that second round pick at number 33. That is too valuable. You can get an Eric Steinbach type of player there. The other Facet, Trey Dalton, get what you can for him. Let him go start somewhere else. Do him a solid, get yourself another pick. If it's that fourth round pick that New England just picked up, awesome. If it's a late round pick from Jacksonville, awesome. Get something for him, get that contract off the books. Then you can rework a deal for AJ. If you wanna rework a deal for Joe Mixon, I know that's music to John Sheeran's ears. You can go ahead and do that. That's that's where I'm at. you got to get Dalton off the books. I, you know, Great guy, done a lot for the team, but it's time to move on, especially if Joe Burrow's the pick. So that's where I'm at with it.
1: Yep, totally agree with both those sentiments. John, what are your thoughts on what the Bengals should do?
0: For the sake of being devil's advocate,
2: I, I think the first round would have to go a surprising way for the Bengals to trade down from 33 and not still get a good player there. I think that the first round's always filled with wacky things and players – will always go there when you don't really expect them to. I think if they trade down to five or six spots, they'll still be able to get a player that they would consider to be a first round talent. It may not be the guy that they want, but I think the value would still be there. And again, it's just like Matt, like I'm open to the idea, but I'm not married to it, obviously. That's not my plan going into the draft at all. Because if a guy that I would think is, would be like a high first round pick is there, then I'm probably gonna take him. The value is just too good there to, to you know, pass up on maybe a couple extra mid round picks. But if the if the opportunity is there, then we definitely have to weigh that. My thing is, like, I have no idea how trades are going to work out this year with with the fact that they're making this a lot more complicated than it needs to be. So trading in the second and fourth round makes a lot of sense because you have that entire twenty or twenty hour period of 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 deciding that beforehand. But I think both the second and fourth round give you great leverage in terms of you know the the draft ending um, the the night before, and you have teams calling them and as you know asking for the price for a, a player that somehow dropped out of the first or third round so they'll definitely have to maximize the leverage out of there if they get a great player at 33 that's great if but i would never be opposed to the fact of getting more draft picks than seven because i think when you just have seven picks you you're, you're losing the value of the draft and you want more opportunities and not less unless you're trading up to get a quarterback which they don't need to do so if if they have an opportunity to trade down for 33 fine I agree with Matt though. Like the drop off in and, and trading back from the third round is definitely is definitely a thing. I think if the one thing though, I, I think my one desire, I guess, is trading down from the fourth round. I think getting like an extra four, getting like an extra fifth round pick, getting more opportunities to hit on those mid round picks, I think is is a smart idea. And also because there's going to be teams who want to trade up in the beginning of the fourth round because that's just that's just how it always works. It's always the second and fourth round being those prime spots. So if they have an opportunity to trade on the second round and, and still get a player with a potential first round grade, that's perfectly fine with me, but obviously I'm not married to that.
1: Great points, great points. Uh, One that I'll add is one that my co-host Zim has brought up several times, and I thought that this was pretty interesting, is trying to trade one of those mid round picks if they'll take it, which reportedly it seems that the value has kind of dropped on Trent Williams, but he's floated out the idea of trying to trade that third round pick for Trent Williams. If they would actually do that in some strange reality, I would be all over that, personally. I'm not going to lie uh, for a guy like Trent Williams. But moving to the fourth question, uh, what position outside of quarterback do you think should have an instant impact next season? And we'll start with John this time.
2: This is a tricky one because I think in terms of just adding a player from this draft that could start immediately and have an, an instant impact would be offensive line but offensive linemen rarely have positive impacts in their first year. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword there. So yes, you can add a linebacker and he can play more on sub-package and non nickel downs but I don't know how much of an impact that would be when you already have two starters there penciled in. Maybe he could start over Josh Bynes if he's just that good in the preseason. I don't think that's completely out of the question either. you add a wide receiver, he has some work to do to get in front of those other receivers on the depth chart. So how much of an impact can he make? And even receivers have a hard time. Making an impact as a rookie. So, uh, if if they happen to get an offensive lineman like a Josh Jones who can start immediately and, and be a better player than the guy like Bobby Hard or a Philo, like Davis- Davis- that's probably the answer to this. But the odds of that happening, unfortunately, are not very high. It just you just happen to have you just have to get lucky at that position to get a positive player playing it as a rookie.
1: Matt, what are your thoughts on? Uh on which position could have a huge impact outside of quarterback because obviously we all know joe burrow is going to have a big impact
3: i you know i'm i'm normally the the optimist uh i think i kind of have that reputation uh which it's more that i just kind of react to what happens and and try to figure out you know how to how to to move on but uh here i'm going to kind of go the opposite direction though um i don't know if anybody can really make an impact uh in year one outside of Burrow, and just the reason b- being because uh there's probably not going to be any kind of real otas maybe we have a shortened camp i think it's going to be tougher for somebody to make an impact which i think gives us a great opportunity in round two to think about the future you know to to take a receiver to take a developmental offensive of tackle uh you know somebody like that that you're not expecting to have to throw in there in year one but who's maybe going to be, be paying uh Bigger dividends for you in the long run.
1: Okay, uh, Anthony, uh, your thoughts on a position that could make an impact? I'm also picking up some picking some, up some uh, feedback a little, a little
2: bit. Yeah, I'm hearing that too. Yeah, I
0: got an echo.
1: Slight like, echo coming through, coming through here. Hmm.
0: I am not. Uh, uh, am I echoey?
4: Nope.
1: Not not echo.
0: it. Okay. All right. Okay. Well. Uh, so I, you know, it depends on if I can if I can cheat with my answer and or get really weird with it. But if I can cheat with it, uh, I'm gonna say you know, going outside of the draft, but a new addition in terms of a position that's going to be the highest impact you got. I would say DJ reader is going to have the biggest impact on the team. Again, that's cheating because we're talking draft, but DJ DJ reader in terms of a new addition, will have a, the biggest impact year one, I would think just affecting the rest of the the, the defensive line. If I'm going to get weird with a potential draft pick and one, the other guy said and said it for, for great reasons, you know, ups and downs of rookie offensive linemen, learning curves for wide receivers. Of course, Joe Burrow is probably going to have the biggest impact Overall, um, you know, when do they take an edge rusher, uh, a rotational guy? You know, linebackers—they don't—they haven't been drafting those very well in the past couple of years. So, are they going to be able to get an effective guy? All of those kind of remain questions. What? What about tight end? What if they get a pass catching tight end to replace Tyler Eifert late in the draft? There's not. This isn't a good class for tight ends. But if you get a guy, maybe maybe it's Moss, Joe Burrow's best friend fourth round, fifth round, whatever. And you have a guy to pair with C.J. Uzama, a red zone threat, a guy that's a security blanket for a rookie quarterback. Rookie quarterbacks love effective tight ends to move the chains and score touchdowns. Not not a pick a lot of people want to hear with Drew Sample being talked about a few minutes ago tight ends aren't heavily featured in the rams offense and probably not in zach taylor's offense but could be a guy that could come and get you 30 40 catches a few touchdowns and all of a sudden you're saying that that's a pretty good addition from the draft class
1: yeah john any thoughts on a position that could be an instant impact outside of quarterback
0: uh, well,
2: well, for starters, I, I, like, I like how Cincinnati Kid 513 is saying, I'm responsible for the feedback, but he's also promoting Colby Parkinson for some reason, which is like a day three tight end pick. Um, yeah, like, like like Anthony said, like DJ Rear would be fantastic uh, or is going to be fantastic as, as an impact uh, in terms of just like in, in the draft. I, I think you got to stay in the position group too. I think they're targeting an edge rusher sometime after the first round. I think that's what Tyler Dragon reported. And I think it's smart because you don't have a lot of depth at that position. You don't have a lot of long-term stability at that position. You have Carl Lawson entering the last year of his contract. He's having trouble staying healthy. And honestly, I'm not exactly as big of a Sam Hubbard fan as a lot of Bengals fans are. I think he's fine as your third or fourth defensive end, but he doesn't have really the upside to be this high end starter that can get you, you know, a high pressure rate on a consistent basis. So to have, you know, at least one more capable body at that position to be a, a versatile guy who can, you know, put his hand in the dirt but can also drop back into coverage as a true thirty four end or thirty four outside linebacker. I think that would be key. And he could play a lot of snaps this year in, in case Lawson gets hurt again and they want to have more a rotation with Carlos Dunlap and Sam Hubbard.
1: Yeah, you hit on a great point there. I think Jeff Hobson early on in this process kind of hinted at edge rusher possibly being a surprise pick. And especially with Carl Lawson, like you said, entering a contract year, Sam Hubbard, he gives you a little bit, but he doesn't give you that oomph that we really need, especially to be someone consistent uh, across from Dunlap. So switching gears, all right, we kind of talked about the 2020 draft, but I kind of wanted to take it back a little bit and get you guys to name your favorite Bengals draft pick of all time. Uh, I'll start with mine. It's pretty obvious for me, uh, just the reaction that I had. I was a huge AJ Green fan going into that draft. Uh, For me, the 2011 draft was just amazing. Just from all the time that I've been into the draft. uh, One of the guys that stuck out to me was Calvin Johnson and just watching highlights and stuff. I'm not doing the full deep dive like Matt and John do on the film. Sorry, guys. I can only do highlights only. Uh, But you know this guy just stuck out and i saw him and it was just like wow aj green this guy is amazing i haven't seen a guy look like this since megatron on film and i just kept thinking the Bengals are going to find some kind of way to mess this up because there were those blaine gabbard rumors and stuff out there and i was just like oh god if this actually happens i'm gonna probably jump off of a cliff but luckily what ended up happening was they called AJ Green's name, and I just had a reaction like immediately. I was sitting on a couch. Uh, I was living in a bachelor pad at the time in college. Literally jumped up off of my couch like five feet in the air as soon as we got uh, AJ Green. And I mean, the rest is history. Anthony, do you have a favorite draft pick of all time?
0: Well, I've got a, a couple. I, I, you know, I'm afraid to say one because it is he who shall not be named. Uh, because at the time, he was deemed the savior back in 2003. So USC kid, Heisman Trophy winner, etc. at the time. New coach, Marvin Lewis. I'm not going to say his name. But at the time, if you remember, that was a pretty big deal. So he and – and think back to 05 and what he was able to accomplish that year. I know who he is now and what he's been saying lately. But at the time, that was a pretty exciting pick. You know, you know, I mean, you can go back to all these other picks and, and when I was a kid and all this kind of stuff. One that really sticks out to me that I was really excited about at the time didn't really live up to my expectations, but I, I really liked when the Bengals took Ray Mauluga at the beginning of round two in 09. Uh, you know, that was a guy that was talked about for a while to be a top 10 pick in that draft. And instead, all of his other guys, the year before Keith Rivers went top 10, Clay Matthews went ahead of him. I mean, all these guys went ahead of him, and you thought he was going to be the best of all of them. And at the time, you know, you you got your Andre Smith in the first round, and then you got Ray Malaluga, who a lot of people felt was a first-round pick in that class. To me, I was very excited about that pick. Unfortunately, hindsight being what it is, both those guys, you know. uh, uh, You know, but, uh, you know, those were two I can remember being very excited about
1: yeah i have to i have to second that i'm not gonna lie i definitely was a huge ray maluga fan coming out of college for sure i think my brother even ended up as a gift that year buying me a Bengals ray maluga rookie jersey unfortunately that did <laughs> not go well <laughs> matt who was your favorite uh Bengals draft pick of all time
3: all right i'm gonna i'm gonna take a deep dive here so um i've been a i've been an nfl draft fan for a long time Uh, basically as soon as my family could afford cable, my dad and I were, were obsessed with the draft. Uh, and this is, this is the early nine or not really, this is like the mid nineties. Uh, so there was no YouTube. We didn't even have internet. I, I think internet existed, but we didn't have it. Uh, and so, so you had to get all your information from, from draft guides. And there were a few that, that I, uh, that I subscribed to. Uh, but the best was this guy, I believe his name is, uh, Joel uh book spam, I think it's pronounced. Uh but like me, it's with the apes that sounds like a K. But um but uh he he put out this guy it was like this thick and this thing was awesome. And my 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 dad and I would sit and like if one of us wasn't reading it the other one would be. And we'd always be looking for guys. We'd do our own mock drafts on paper before we even knew that was a thing. Uh it so you know we were deep you know we were real and this is when he had to wake up on you know saturday and sunday morning to watch the draft Mm -hmm. uh so one year we found this deep sleeper that we both loved it was a linebacker and we were like man this guy's awesome it'd be great the Bengals never picked any of the guys that we liked uh but then (laughs) 1997 in the sixth round they called off canute curtis from west virginia and it was like it was like the first Deep sleeper that we were big fans of that the Bengals took. So that's that's my favorite favorite pick is uh, Canute Curtis out of West Virginia.
1: Uh-huh. nice, nice. That's a throwback. Uh, John, what's your? Who is your favorite Bengals uh, draft pick of all time?
2: I'm glad Matt said whoever the hell Knute Curtis is, because now my, my pick is not going to be as as random or as maybe disappointing. Also, Anthony, you can say Carson Palmer's name, because if it wasn't for Carson Palmer saying all the things the Bengals fans don't like him saying, Joe Burrow doesn't walk into a team that spent $150 million in free agency. Wow. Anyways. Uh, I, I don't disagree.
0: I'm just, I know I know how people get.
2: <laughs> <laughs> eh, whatever. Um,
0: also, it's pretty
2: clear that Anthony has a USC bias, which makes sense. He's a SoCal guy. I have a Cincinnati bias. And then, in order to answer this question, I have to think about the times that I actually cared about the draft, the years that I care about the draft. I have to think about the players that I wanted the Bengals to draft. And that includes players that I liked in college and a a player that the Bengals did draft and ended up being pretty well. I think the the only guy who answers all four of those questions is Kevin Hubert. He was a guy that I just remember, like, Kyle Larson just retired. The Bengals had that fifth-round pick. Kevin Huber's the best punter in the draft. I watched him all throughout his college career because I was a big UC football fan when they were decent in the late 2000s. The Bengals needed a punter. They got him. He's been with the team ever since. I can't think of any other pick that I remember, you know, like really wanting it to happen, and then it, then it happened, and then his career ended up being really good. I remember. I really wanted Paul Dawson. I was so excited for that pick, and he obviously ended up in the trash can. There were a couple – I was even excited about Ray Maluga, even though I was more disappointed that they didn't take Connor Barwin at that time. I just think the the, the guy who fits all the qualifications for me to answer this question is the freaking punter, but he's honestly been one of the better fifth-round picks in team history, so is, is it really that bad?
1: Yeah, that was, that was a great one. Uh, just to bring in some of the comments, uh, some of our viewers said Rudy Johnson in the third round, Justin Smith – uh, someone said Achilles Smith. I think they're trolling with that one. Uh, Geno Atkins. Uh, looks like Peter Wark as well. Chad Johnson. Robert Sands. That was a throwback. I remember it being... Oh, my God. About
0: that you know, you know, Ace, if I can, you know who was another one that just kind of came to mind that I really liked um, and ended up being a pretty productive player for the for the team and I liked the value and, and everything is Marvin Jones. Um, that was another one I was really excited about at the time. Um, that that ended up, uh, granted, he only played one contract with the Bengals, but I remember being pretty excited about that one, too.
1: Yeah, I was definitely excited about Marvin Jones as well. I think also, like, in recent history, Tyler Boyd, because I was, like, a huge Tyler Boyd guy during that draft. I was, I was kind of excited to, to draft him as well. Uh, let's see. Obviously, we've had some some pretty notable guests on our podcast lately. Uh, just wanted to get you guys' thoughts on who your favorite celebrity interview was. Matt, we can start with you.
3: I mean, there are some really good ones. I really like when you guys talked to uh, uh, Sean Williams. I think it was last week. Uh, that was that was awesome. It's always cool hearing from the from the current players. Uh, but I also love the, the point the wrong way. <laughs> uh, the the, uh, the old school guys that you guys have had on lately. Tim, McGree- Tim McGee. Tim was a great one, um, but. I just listened to the Munoz interview this morning, uh, and that was awesome. And and I won't ruin it for anybody, but the story he tells about Forrest Gregg is what pushes it over the top for me. That, that was an incredible story. So go back and go back and listen to that if you haven't yet.
1: Anthony, uh, which uh, of your guests was your
0: favorite? I, I got to say, guys, for our show, I've been... One of the goals I had for this channel was for for all the shows involved to get a lot of guests. And I, I am just amped up about everybody that Ace, you guys have taught. you know, Sean Williams was just a couple of weeks ago. Matt, you had Sean Salisbury and Greg Cosell. We've had a couple of old school bangles on the on our show. It's just it's really, really cool to see where our shows have each each gone. and i'm not I'm not saying that to blow smoke. i'm you know, I'm pretty honest about how I feel about that, that was a major goal for us. And and fortunately, thanks to our own efforts and to actually some listener help and other stuff, um, we've, we've been able to get that. So, uh, you know, pretty proud of that. Yeah, I mean, the Munoz one, it's, I you know, it, it I don't want to say it waters it down a little bit, but I mean, it was a hell of a fun conversation talking with him for like 30 minutes. Um, I have interviewed him before, so it wasn't like a, a newbie thing. I, I was, I guess, I could say I was pleasantly surprised by McGee and Adrian Ross because I just I haven't really heard them talk before, and having them was was pretty cool. um I, I think I think John would agree with this. The sit down with the Hani Jones was like just like a chill sesh, and uh yeah. I, that was really cool. I guess I'm saying a lot of them, but. Hard to pick one. The Dahani Jones one was was really neat, really neat because he is just a, a really neat guy. Um, hard to pick a favorite though. I mean, there's 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 been a lot, which is which is a good thing.
1: Yeah, definitely, John. What was? Do you have a favorite, or was it just two videos? <laughs> um,
2: to echo some of Anthony's thoughts, Tim McGee was. It was a very surprisingly great interview because I didn't really know who he was. I didn't grow up in that era, but he was very open and very informative for the things that he had to say. I think that might be my favorite interview that I had not in person, but I think the the answer to this question I think is Duke Tobin. Just because I probably will never have that opportunity again. And also I just remember like people People seem to have a negative opinion about Tobin after that and I didn't really understand it because I don't think they were quite understanding what he was trying to say and it's, it was just different to, to interact with him in person rather than just over the phone or something like that you got a kind of sense of kind of what he was trying to say if you could read between the lines and just that opportunity was just incredible that was given to us by Emily Parker the director of media relations for the Bengals um, just just to pick his brain about the draft process and about you know his you know his growth over the over the his development about, about being essentially a GM and just picking his brain about all that stuff was extremely cool to do, especially in person. And it's definitely an opportunity that I'm not going to forget anytime soon.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a great one. I would would probably say for me it would have to be Sean Williams because most people that follow my channel, they know that I'm not the biggest Sean Williams guy. So when Zim initially said it, I was like, oh, man, this is going to be awkward. I've been kind of dragging this guy. But to actually have that interaction with him, it kind of – It kind of in a sense changed my perspective because initially when we drafted sean williams ironically that was one of the draft picks that i was excited about uh, when we got him out of georgia and i think just the fact that the whole my love for reggie nelson kind of took on some hatred there. But I think being able to talk to him and understand some things that he talked through on there made me kind of realize how hard it's been for him and how similar his career essentially within the past two seasons has been with Jesse Bates. You know, I've kind of looked at Jesse Bates in a positive light. And when he kind of said on the show that, hey, me and Jesse Bates have had the same numbers the last two seasons, but people look at me a certain way and they look at Jesse a certain way, Kind of opened my eyes. I also wasn't aware that he had so many different defensive coordinators within that span of time. So You know, when you see things from one side of a a perspective and then you finally get an understanding of what's going on, it kind of changes your mind on that player. And so I was glad that we were able to have the opportunity to talk to him. And then the fact that he was just willing to be so open and candid with us as well, being that he wasn't the guy that really goes to the media was just pretty cool. It was it was definitely awesome. I definitely deleted every negative shot I ever made. (laughs) <laughs> after that for
3: sure yeah, that, that was a good one that, there's some good points in there too and he really like end of 2018 he was really starting to come on and then you know just everything's been been changing so much with him but it'll be really interesting to see how von bell being here allows him to you know maybe play in a role that's a little bit more comfortable for for him because bell can do some of that in the box stuff they use him more back um you know like like they did a lot of, a lot of big dime stuff with with uh, with Fedge coming in and being the deep field safety. Well, is right. that Williams? Does he you know does he prefer that? It's gonna be really interesting to see how the safeties work out. The two, I think.
1: Yeah, I think that that's super interesting. Uh, well, one question I just want to ask you guys as a bonus, we have one in here. I am JL asks, what was the best free agency signing? Uh, for me personally, I'm gonna agree with what Anthony said earlier in terms of making the biggest impact. I'm gonna say this DJ Reader just because I feel like. When you're in a division that has to run the ball, when you have the Baltimore Ravens, the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know teams that run the ball and teams that are successful on the ground, I think that you need a guy like DJ Reader in order to disrupt that. And for me, uh, I can only speak for myself, but I have dreaded the Bengals' run defense for the past four or five seasons. So for me, it's DJ Reader. John, who would your uh, who would you say is the best free agency signing that the Bengals picked up?
2: I want to say reader as well for all those reasons, and he's the one that has that has me most excited. And He had me most excited when it happened, especially when you know you realized they weren't going to bring back Andrew Billings, who I was a big fan of as well. But I think for giving a, the sake of giving a different answer, I think Bon Bill needs all the credit he can get here as well. For being, you know, not only on a, on an affordable contract for for his talent, but a guy who's also on the on the younger side, and gives them something that they didn't have. Like like Matt said, if you can ask Von Bell to do all the things that they asked Sean Williams to do last year, you have an immediate upgrade, and you allow Sean Williams to do do more of the things that he was better at before he had to be essentially a smaller linebacker. I think he solves a lot of their problems when they have to go a little bit lighter in the box, but he can still bring a physical run presence, you know, at that size while we'll also being able to match up against tight ends and receivers in the slot. You can do basically a lot of the a lot of the things you want out of these modern defensive backs and, you know, hybrid type overhang defenders and to have that on the the contract that he has and to have some long-term stability at the safety position I think is probably uh, accounting for every single variable that makes a good free agency sign. I think Vaughn bon Bell's probably tops off Reader for me. Reader.
1: And Matt, obviously you've broken down a lot of these free agents that we did sign, and you've looked at film on them. Who would you say that you think is the best free agency signing that the Bengals picked up?
3: I First, I like that they went out and got a big name that nobody was expecting Reader. So just what that says about – like that was a statement, especially after the right. – Day of not doing anything, where it was like, Oh, same old big Bengals, it's all talk going out and making a statement like that was great. But I also think the impact that Reader can have beyond himself you know, that having DJ Reader does that allow you to get Geno off the field more? They said they, they thought they played Geno too much, let's keep him fresh keep him you know keep him as that interior pass rusher which he was he was good against the run last year people people think he was off he was good against the run he lost a little bit of his juice in the in the pass rush if we can get him off the field sometimes maybe we get a little bit more uh, of that out of him this this year um and having having that presence and that run stopper up front you know what does that do for your linebackers you know like we didn't we didn't spend big money on a linebacker uh you know they, they brought one in probably going to end up drafting one at some point, um, you know, Pratt's going to be a little bit better uh, kind of coming back for a second year, but now they've got a guy that can occupy blocks, you know, an uh, you know, upgrade at that spot where he's going to be able to do more in the run game. And maybe you're, you are playing more three safety stuff because you can, you know, <laughs> maybe maybe you don't have to, uh, you know, be in that eight man box that, you know, that three, four defense as much. You can put a little bit more speed on the field because you've got a front seven. They can they can take care of the run. So I think he is can have a lot of impact that's not necessarily going to show up on a stat sheet.
0: Right, Anthony. I, yeah, I mean, I said Reader earlier. You know, I I don't want to discount. I, you know, Reader is probably the the best quality free agency signing they made of this of this group of a lot of different quality guys. I think the guys you're going to notice the most though are Trey Waynes and Josh Bynes um I mean unfortunately interior defensive linemen they just as you watch a game and as you watch film and you look at a bunch of different things sometimes unfortunately that position gets overlooked so I think Reader's the highest quality player and and are one of their most hidden needs that they needed to address Um, but I I think Waynes a guy we interviewed by the way an entertaining one uh Waynes gives you uh, you know a basically the same kind of stuff Dre does, but at a higher level. And I think you're going to see probably not Pro Bowl caliber play on at corner from Waynes, but I think you're going to see Dre plus uh, from from him. And I, and I think that's a good thing. I think that's going to be okay. You got Jackson for another year on the other side. You now have Mackenzie Alexander. Those two guys play well with each other. They know each other well. So I think that's going to be um he'll he, you'll notice him a lot and hopefully it'll be a little bit more in the positive positive. and then I think Bynes. it's it's really hard to play any worse than the line, Bengals linebackers did last year in general so I think anything <laughs> you put out there at this point is probably going to be a somewhat significant upgrade so uh I, I think Bynes w- will will show his worth too
1: Yeah, that's a great pick. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. This has been the Cincy Jungle uh, full draft roundtable. Definitely be sure to check all these guys out. Gentlemen, I appreciate you guys for coming on. Apparently, Zim was kidnapped for talking trash about Andy Dalton. So that's where he has been uh, during this show. But, guys, before you uh, head out, starting with Matt, then John, and Anthony, please just let people know where they can find your stuff.
3: Yeah, so all my stuffs on uh, on Cincy Jungle uh, and the uh, Orange and or Black Insider uh, YouTube page, uh, and then also you know that stuff's available for uh, for for download for the podcast, and you can follow me on Twitter at Coach Minnick, spell just like it is, right there.
2: Uh, yeah, go check out CincyJungle.com. We need all the clicks we can get during these tough times. Um, again, you can find me on Twitter at John double underscore Sheeran. But, uh, yeah, keep it locked on Jungle. We'll have a bunch of content coming up for you in the next week and a half, breaking down and covering the draft.
0: Yeah, I'm at at CJAnthonyCUI on Twitter, at BanglesOBIs, the uh, podcast Twitter handle specific to that, and then the podcast stuff is all on Cincy Jungle, whether it's any of our shows, is on CincyJungle.com. We're on any, all of our shows are on all kinds of different audio platforms, so wherever you get your audio, get the show. Uh, we have a couple of different YouTube channels, which is cool, so you get uh, kind of some different stuff from the different YouTube channels, and we'll be doing... I Guys, I think we put out like freaking... 15 shows or something over the past calendar week if not more. So we're we're hammering people with content and it's uh, and it's not just us. It's it's you know Ace and Zim and Mad. I mean it's 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 everybody. It's a team effort. So we're giving you guys a lot of a lot of stuff. Hopefully you're enjoying. Oh it. man, right in the middle. To, right in the middle. It
1: uh, what? Well, beautiful. We, Sorry. We, <laughs> you got <laughs> <went> one
0: <laughs> off for <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened there. Did I get cut off? Yeah, yeah it got cut off. I'm not sure if it's because pulled the plug. we actually have
1: <laughs> have Zim here as well. Oh, hey, he he just oh got out God. of out of his He's, la- from he's later than Bobby. he's later than Cardi. Zem Ocho
3: Cardi. Just in time for the self promotion.
1: <laughs> What's going on, Zem?
3: Errors, errors,
4: errors. I, I, I wrote the original note in my phone and I never changed it back. I apologize. All
1: good, my friend. All good, my friend. Uh, well, I was letting them do their outro, but just to do a quick wrap up, we we asked these questions that I sent you earlier. Let's just get your responses for them before we, we wrap up here. So with Joe Burrow expected to be the consensus number one pick, uh, what's one thing that you think that he brings to the Bengals?
4: Well, the number one thing has got to be leadership. At the very beginning of the whole Borough search in my mind for the savior of Cincinnati, it was always about getting a quarterback on a four-year contract, being able to have versatility, being able to do things in free agency and just protecting the future of the franchise. And more than anything, whether you believe that Joe Burrow's is the pick, whether you believe that Chase Young is the pick, it's just about giving your, your, your franchise the uh, financial support for the next couple of years to come to, to set the groundwork to have success more than anything, whether you think that Joe Burrow's a stud or not.
1: This is like the Avengers when Thor like showed up at the end of Infinity War. <laughs> this is what Zim is bringing you guys. <laughs> Zim, name your three favorite prospects from the draft that are great fits for the Bengals.
4: Uh, Denzel Mims, uh, will be my number one. Uh the next one will probably be Willie Gay Jr. Okay. Okay. I on, knew that was coming. <laughs> depending on how you feel about Willie Gay's off the uh, field issues. Uh, yeah, depend, depending on how you feel about that. Uh and then lastly let's go with like is this within reach or is it just period? Just period oh shoot i would have said isaiah simmons <laughs> <laughs> like isaiah Simmons i don't know you know like the best of the best i guess i don't i don't, I don't know. andrew thomas
1: okay that's a good one um i answered number three for you i said that if you had to trade a pick you would definitely want to trade that that third round pick for uh our guy from washington the tackle uh for the fourth Who, one Trent. yeah for Trent. Um, for the fourth one, which position outside of quarterback do you believe should have an instant impact on the Bengals next season?
4: Depending on how they use it, it could be linebacker. But if, if it's someone like a Willie Gay that I believe is going to be a standout in coverage or whatever, and day one being able to be put on the field, then that, that would be my go-to. But, oh, you know what? Above anything, the thing that always sticks out to me more than anything is when Marvin Lewis first left, said you guys got to fix the line if you go look at anything from a film standpoint it's always about don't never had enough time don't never had enough time and at the very beginning i didn't want to believe that but you get you get a, a superior or above average tackle then i think that that could ultimately change the fate of the franchise on the right hand side
1: name your favorite Bengals draft pick of all time
3: Canute Curtis is already taken, by the way. (laughs) I know you were thinking.
4: (laughs) You
1: said who? who? Achilles Mill. Matt, Matt's favorite one was Canoe Chris. Or is it Canoe Curtis
4: or Curtis? Canoe Curtis. (laughs) Canoe Curtis. Randomly generated name.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Canoe Curtis. He, Oto
1: Oto draft he was a huge Oto linebacker. Sinko. Okay, Senko. <laughs> um, you and, what you I kind of said I, I said uh, in terms old. of the favorite Sexy jungle celebrity interview um, that we had on was with Sean Williams. Was was there any other one that kind of stood out to you that you were like, man, that's an amazing interview, or, or any one that comes to mind?
4: Sean Williams gotta be the best one. I guess that's the freshest one in my head. I mean, previously I thought I like this is like I was telling you before, off the air. I think I had some ones that I thought were pretty pretty open. Uh what's the running back that we were talking about the other day that plays for the Falcons now? Uh Brian Hill. Yeah, I remember I did like yeah, I, I did a Brian Hill interview. I feel like he was like dishing, 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 like giving like a lot of insights to the offense. But the Sean Williams ones I thought was really, really good though, because you know like uh people would message me all day and be like when they're cutting them when they cutting them when they cutting them so it was really really refreshing to hear them come out and just be like hey look i i I plan on being a star for the thing like y'all looking at jesse bates like that's cool or whatever but you know like i'm here too like i thought that was a really really good one i mean outside of that though i mean we've had everybody who haven't we had <laughs> right, yeah, we've been putting out some content like collectively as a unit, like who's doing it like us?
1: Yeah, this is definitely the Avengers for sure, for sure, and in game Avengers for sure. But, guys, thanks for um listening to us. If you're looking for me and Zim stuff, I'm on Twitter at New Stripe City. You can find me on YouTube, uh, under the name New Stripe City. Also, uh, Zim is on Instagram at Zim underscore day uh, you can also find the Orange is a New Black Podcast under the Scentsy Jungle Podcast. Wherever you're listening to this stuff, please be sure. I'm pretty sure that you guys are listening to this now. You hear all of this information. You hear all of this insight. You hear all of this passion. This is a big week for us coming up. So please be sure to keep those messages going. Keep those podcasts going. Keep those sites, uh, those site visits going to jungle.com and this has been our first official roundtable so thank you guys for listening and as usual we're going to leave you guys with a who day, who day?
3: Who day? Who day?